Um, volume's pretty good. I might actually turn it up a little bit. Dope. E. La 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 la. <coughs> Wait, so just to make sure that we didn't uh, both cover the same of anything, yeah, which, which, which ones did you... Well, I'll, I'll list mine and then you can let me know if I if we crossed any. I, I thought I was going to do um, specific ones and so then I wasn't finding what I liked so then I just kind of am all over the place. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we have kind of a theme of being pretty scattershot generally. Yeah. And I don't, I think we ought to embrace that, you know? I think so. Welcome to Space is Fake, the podcast. Transmission incoming from outside this world. This is uh, Kenny. I'm Kenny. Hi, my name is Alex. I'm a new guest on the show. An alien threat. Houston, we've got a problem. What space is fake? Say again. There's nothing out here. What space is fake? Say again. There's nothing out here. What space is fake? Say again. Houston, space is fake. That's the name of the podcast. Say again. Uh, today we are covering real life legendary weapons. Uh, Frank's excited. Yeah, these are the kind you got to grind real hard for. This is not. This is not the kind of shit you're going to find at a vendor. Um, no, this your is, your your local cosplay store is not going to have information on these. Yeah, these are purples or higher. Purples or higher. Some might be gold or orange if you're so inclined. Yeah. Um, or uh, green if you play Diablo. Yeah, but but also easily accessible through your uh, local family-owned Wikipedia page. Frank is just licking his chops right into the mic, dude. Oh, what's that on the, on you the mic? can't be in the podcast, dog. Yeah, he's, he's just like... <laughs> oh, dude, he's he's getting wet for this. I'm going to remove both that and my impression of that. <laughs> okay. Damn it. So who should go... Who, who do we want to go first? Um, so you had, uh, you had some thoughts on the list... Uh, being categorized most boring to the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with your most boring. Okay, well, my most boring... Hmm. Okay, well, I'd say that, that truly the most boring is the Wallace Sword. Um, it was okay, formerly you, owned by... So? Well, it was formerly owned by a famous Scottish knight, William Wallace, who mm-hmm. fought in the resistance against England. Essentially, the only cool thing about this sword is that it's huge. And it's so huge that people say it was essentially completely impractical impractical to use. You couldn't use it on horseback at all. Okay. And whoever wielded the sword would have to be at least seven feet tall. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty fucking tall, right? I mean, how tall are you? Uh, I'm 6'5". Yeah, and you're tall as fuck. Uh, well, you also have to consider the uh, relative height of uh individuals back then they were shorter back then um generally well yeah they didn't most people were like the average height was like five five uh-huh. i would say five four and so to oh be... dude i would fucking slay back then oh dude yeah absolutely <laughs> crush. But, like to to you'd be considered a giant like a nephilim <laughs> out of the bible to be like even 511. Yeah. Like 57, dude, 57 you're towering over most people. Um 
I was trying to find uh, Vlad the Impaler's yeah. armor, like references, because as it turns out, most of the references about his armor have been uh, made into fantasy. So, like, the real stuff isn't, you know, they're, they're not cursed. Like, yes, his family is tied to the uh, Order of the Dragon, and not to make this an episode about Vlad, which will have one of those two, but the point being, uh, he was, like, five and change. Like, he was a little taller than most people, according yeah. to some of the pictures, but even still, he was pretty short. Um and so, yeah, I don't know that uh, even William, to tie it back into the, the sword story, I don't think that even William would have been able to uh, wield the sword. Like, when I, when, when I look at stories about... Keep going. I, I, just, need to, I, I just need to close the window because there's a ton of... <laughs> I'm just taking out every siren and bark of dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we live in a neighborhood surrounded by hospitals we're on top of a hill so all the sound travels upwards to us we're also right next door to a police station and the firehouse the local firehouse in our little area so uh yeah sirens are 24 7 literally yeah all, hours. all the fucking time coming from um, all directions yeah always okay so william wallace's sword so how I kind of envision all those big ass swords that people talk about, like you know how knights had squires uh -huh. way back when. Yeah. So I feel like you go to swing the sword, but like you got your two little dudes carrying it like a little bit down. So really, like you helping could, you with leverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like at most, you can just poke someone with it. The guy on the far end has to be like really fast to compensate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I would love to see the physics of that. Um, but there was... I mean, the sword itself, did we did we cover it? It was four foot four. Yeah. Just the sword. Yeah, it was a huge sword. That motherfucker um, must have been heavy. Or must be heavy. It's still in um, the National Monument in Scotland. And it's fucking boring. It's lame as fuck. I would not... This is um, maybe... So in WoW, this would be like a green item. Um, it's like nothing. Yeah, true. Um, you know what it's actually like it's like the Bigeron sword in um, in Ocarina it's like kind of cool I mean technically it's the best sword in Ocarina but it breaks really easily unless you do like this insane side quest that you would need a fucking guide to figure out yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I, I did that in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I did it too. But, but the you kind of need it to progress. Yeah, so like, but the, it's like the first iteration of the Bigeron Sword. It's yeah, like yeah, too it, big to be practical. Yeah, but what I so what I really like about uh, William Wallace's sword is the story that the hilt, yeah. uh, belt, and scabbard were made of uh, of Hugh Cressingham's. Hugh de Cressinghams. I think there's a D in the name, so important to uh, really give the nod there. And for the uh, un uninitiated or uncultured, not that not like me. I obviously I know what that means, but what what does that mean to some rube? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so if you're a complete noob in history, if you if you missed a lot of stuff in history class, uh, the use of D E before a name means that that person is of that place. I think. Okay. I, I I don't even know, but Hugh of Cressingham. Uh, oh, he was just his first name. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hugh was killed, and his dried skin was used for uh, William Wallace's original scabbard. Hilton Jesus belt. Christ! Uh, and that's well, that's according to legend. You know, it, it's it must it's, have been. It's, a, it's hard to know. He must have also been a big motherfucker if he could be uh, a scabbard for a four foot long blade. Dude, I know. I mean, you they need a lot of skin for that. You can't all use all skin. Yeah, you can't um, really use. I'd imagine if you're using human skin, like what? What parts do you even use? Like you can't use like the face. You can't use probably the hands. Right, because those were. Feet. I mean, I guess you could like use the scraps if you like stitched them together. That's gonna look like shit. Well, yeah, but I mean, William was the the man of the people, right? He fought for for the common peasantry rather cool. than the uh the kings right so i mean you i know. didn't see i didn't look into the man right. william wallace i just trusted that he was famous because i, mean, I saw just, it on the internet i'm just basing that off of uh <laughs> but it's if off he's of braveheart i yeah. don't really know well oh is he is he braveheart yeah yeah oh. william wallace was the dude that fought against taxes he okay fought the british against the taxes i have no right to a podcast uh <laughs> <laughs> well uh, that happened apparently at the Battle of uh, Sterling Bridge. So what I like is the kind of the records that kind of try to corroborate the existence of the sword. One being, <laughs> so in 1505, uh, there's surviving accounts that state that uh, at the command of King James IV of Scotland, uh, a sum of 26 shillings was paid to an armorer for fixing the binding of uh, Wallace's sword with uh, with cords of silk and to provide the sword with a new hilt and plummet, uh -huh. as well as a new scabbard, scabbard and a new belt. They say that the repair would have been necessary because the dry skin just fell apart. And then there's also a letter in uh, 1875 from the war office that informed uh on the sword and it being sent to the tower of london in 1825 for repairs um you know and there's a bunch of names like duke of wellington samuel merrick uh was the one that examined it at the behest of duke of wellington uh you know and apparently he had authority on ancient swords blah 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 blah, blah. point being you know, while there's no direct like certificate of authenticity that mm -hmm. anyone issued back then, these surrounding accounts of kind of where it traveled, where it got repaired, uh, you know, give some credence to it being a true, true sword that existed. Um, so, yeah, who knows? I mean, they did have right those those big ass claymores. Yeah, uh, the knights did, and. Uh, I, I watched an episode of like <clears throat> one of those uh what is it called like forged in flame or or one of those where they build swords yeah and they kind of talked about uh you know it, it wasn't necessarily a sword like how it's depicted in fantasy where you have this you know knight in shining full plate armor that like itself weighs more than the person yeah swinging the sword it was more like um like I was saying before the podcast like you have a bunch of squires carrying the sword so. You'd get on your horse and then uh, your squires would bring you the sword and then you would just basically like just kind of hold it. Yeah. And then with the power of the horse, like just ram into shit. Oh, okay. Use it as like a, as like a spear almost. Yeah. But all that, um, 
all that kind of seems impractical. Yeah, because with the thing about a sword is you have to hold it by just the handle. The thing about a spear is that you can hold it properly right, for anyway. something that's super long. So you can run with it. If you hold a big-ass spear at the head of it, you can pretty much run with it and then just kind of like shift it in your hand to chuck it. Right. Uh, if that's what you're trying to do. So, All right. Well, after finding out some of that information about the Wallace sword from the more thorough research that you did, I think that it doesn't deserve to be the most boring. I'd say it's still the second most boring. Do you want to get to the most boring? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the most boring of the ones I researched was the sword in the stone of San Galgano. Mm -hmm. uh, so San Galgano was a fierce knight and nobleman who became a complete fucking dork after being visited by Archangel Michael. Yep. Um, he decided to renounce his awesome ways and become a milquetoast normie for Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, so he thrust his sword into a rock like a bitch. Uh, now it's in a glass case in a chapel, and I'm going to go ahead and say it's fake. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me see where my notes are on that sword. Um, what I like about that sword um, is, A, that it came from um, the Archangel. So, you know, that gives, uh, gives well, I, credence I, to the ye old book of faith. Well, I don't think it came from the Archangel. I think that, at least in what I read, it was it was his sword. He And then he was visited by the Archangel. And then he was like, fuck this, man. I don't want to be a sword guy no more. And he put it in Oh, rock. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was, uh, right, that was his thing. It was to try to find... Uh, like redemption yeah he's like i don't so, want to be a sword guy i want to be a god guy um sword and stone right but there was a and so, sword and the stone is just fucking what a trope you know well so <laughs> but here's what i like about the sword and stone of of saying what what is it saying galgano galgano Saint galgano yeah so what i like about the sword and the stone of saying galgano guidotti uh is that it's it, it's kind of like the uh, Excalibur? Yeah. Except it's definitely there's a it's definitely not right. So so they do make the um, they, they do make the distinction that it's it's definitely not um, not the sword uh, Excalibur, but you know this guy's sword. Well, um, let's be real though. That sword has not aged well. I looked at some pictures and. Yeah, it looks like ass, but but there's another sword in the stone. Um, hold on, let me find where where was I? Where did I see it? Um, that basically was in France somewhere. Oh. Um, so less of a uh, San Galgano. Yeah, yeah, less of that and more of a. Hold on. What's his name? Oh, I can't find it now, but uh, hold on. Let, let me let me see if I can quickly find it. But it's um, if not, just fucking freeball it. Facts to the wind. Uh, yeah, facts to the wind. If uh, we're in a post truth era, y'all. Um, it was somewhere in France, I think. Uh, let me see. Well, it doesn't matter, but uh. Yeah, all those stories are just kind of dumb. Um, 
for me, uh, in terms of the, the, the weapons and swords, in terms of boring, and this one's not necessarily boring, but uh, it, it's the uh, Ulfbert sword. Uh -huh. uh, and it, it's essentially, it was a sword that the Vikings used um, in their time. But the problem with that sword is that it was about like 800 years um, now some articles will say a thousand and, you know, back in those, like, you know, what's a, what's a hundred years BC? That's <laughs> not really a linear timeline. Right. Time was dilated. Yeah. yeah as for Dave Rubin for would sure. Say. And, and sometimes condensed, but basically they, uh, they were swords used by the Vikings that were of such pure composition. They used... Let's see. Yeah, they, they use basically the equivalent of modern steel um, metals, right, uh -huh. to create it. And uh, they had uh, a signature on it, which was uh, like runic uh -huh. and, and basically stood for Ulfbert. But the, uh, the likeness of that material didn't come back into Europe since the uh, Industrial Revolution. Uh-huh. Um, and then the mystery really lies in how did Vikings create uh, such a blade while the rest of Europe was still, uh, you know, making steel that was basically glass. Damn. Like, it could just shatter on contact with a piece of wood. Right. Uh, there's some belief that the crucible steel that they used was actually imported from Iran and Afghanistan. Uh, and no one really knows what the reference to Ulfbirth was. Uh, if it was, uh, you know, like a, a name su would suggest a single originator, like a single swordsmith. Yeah. Um, but there was a, like a European smith by that name or, or maybe. Um, but yeah, they were really strong weapons and they found some still like in, in kind of perfect condition. Uh, it's crazy how some of these swords like hold up over like thousands of years. Dude, it's fucking right? crazy. I mean, and a lot of them don't. Uh, particularly, like the Wallace sword looks like shit. Or actually, the Wallace sword looks okay. Yeah, but the, it's preserved. Uh, right. The sword of San glass. Galgano looks like ass, dude. Well, yeah, because they can't keep it in that rock. Yeah. Right. Like, so it kind of, yeah, it, like you can definitely s see and say that it will not withstand the test of time. Um, but I do like that it was, uh, a sword that was, uh, given to him by, uh, by an archangel. Uh -huh. Cause I found one such sword. Well, it wasn't given to him by an archangel or it was in, he was in, he was inspired to get rid of it by an archangel. Oh, oh, oh right, right, right. The archangel was probably just like, dude, your sword is fucking lame. Sticking around. Well, it was Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel's not really, uh. Uh, a fighting type of angel, right? I, I mean, I I need to brush up on my angels on your on your, on your Bible. Yeah, everything I know um, about the Bible I learned from Diablo three. Really, I mean, that's a pretty good uh, source material on it. Yeah, but speaking of speaking of angel like swords, did you uh, did you see anything about Du Al Fakar? No. 
it was uh, it was a sword taken as booty by Muhammad at the Battle of Badr. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Badr, B-A-D-R, Badr, Badr. I like Badr. Badr. Um, and then he, of course, gave the sword to uh, Ali bin Abi Talib, I think his cousin mm-hmm. or something. Um, and then Ali returned it at the Battle of Uhud. And he was covered in blood from his hands to his shoulders. Fuck yeah. Uh, having the sword with him. But basically the sword, it said, um, it said that the sword was given to him by, uh, uh, let me see which archangel. Hold on, let me find my notes on this. I'm being a rookie, I know. <laughs> um but yeah, he was given the sword by the archangel, uh, not Gabriel. That's the one that doesn't like to fight. Um, but yeah, and, and I know uh, it's so funny. Like I, I type in, literally I type in sword of Muhammad. And like it doesn't give me the Wikipedia page about it. It oh, just really? gives me like all the other shit. What's it called? Um, so apparently this motherfucker had nine swords total. Um, but this one. It's called Zulfigar. I just happened to have that one pulled up. Yeah, I think that's the one. Uh, Um, it's the sword of the Islamic leader Ali given to him by Muhammad. Okay, yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just. Yeah, it's Dahu Al Fakar. I found it. Oh, okay. I'll just come back into it. Right. <clears throat> so the sword uh, looks kind of strange. It's like a half scimitar, and then it uh, branches off into like a double blade with a uh, like a cut in the middle. So it rest. It, it resembles kind of like a snake tongue. That's dope. Um, yeah, it's kind of dope. So basically it, um, it's supposed to represent, um, uh, actually I'm not even sure. Yeah. So the sword, uh, was returned to Muhammad at the, at the battle of Uhud, uh, fully covered in blood or, or, or the Ali, uh, B, Abi Talib was covered in blood having used it, uh, and, and decimated all his enemies. Um, but that was actually one of nine swords total that Muhammad had. And, uh, what's really interesting is that all these swords are kind of insane. So I will, uh, this will be a little mini sewed within this episode, uh, <laughs> of the weapons of Muhammad. Hell yeah. So we talked about the one sword he got, uh, as booty. Apparently he got two other swords as booty. He got two from inheritance, and uh, the rest he got as as gifts. And apparently, eight of the nine swords are in the uh, Top Copy Palace in Turkey, and then the ninth one is in Cairo. So the first sword he got is the Alabd, um, and it's the name of uh, the sword that means cutting or sharp. It's uh, original. <laughs> a lot so so there's a lot of uh 
a lot of sword names that kind of uh, revolve around cutting or being super sharp. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess I see it, but like you said, maybe not. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it just, it, like, it, it means that the sword has a purpose and so it serves the purpose <laughs> of cutting. It would be, be like um, if there was a gun, it was called shoot. Yeah. But what's really funny, though, there are swords. There's one sword called the Sword of Mercy, uh-huh. and it's super dull. Oh, that's it. Doesn't seem very merciful. No, like that's that's what I thought. And, yeah, uh, you like, think a, a merciful sword, really? Merciful death would be extremely sharp. Sword. Yeah, like like super sharp would yeah. be the most merciful. But apparently, uh, this sword is very very dull, and uh, you know it's meant to bring mercy. But I feel like you just slaughter someone to death. Like it's with blunt force drama. Yeah, drama, trauma, yeah, blunt force drama. <laughs> yeah, Kim Kardashian. Holla at your boy. Oh, dude. Dude, no, we need to do a, like a celebrity gossip podcast called Blunt Force Drama. (laughs) Oh, no. This is how, this is how podcasts are born. Just start a podcast. We got, we, you know who would actually be fucking great for that? Alexis. (laughs) Okay, yes. I'm I'm going to contact Alexis. We're going to set up a podcast called Blunt Force Drama. So, so if you, uh. If you're not too much into the random gibberish of uh, Campfire Kumbayas and instead like to focus on uh, the modern age things, uh, Blunt Force Drama might be a podcast for you. Keep your ear to the ground. This is coming soon. Coming soon. uh, (laughs) Blunt (laughs) Force Drama. Okay. Good shit. Great. Uh, So yeah, cut whatever you want. Uh, so the Al Abd sword is uh, is actually the one sword that's currently in Cairo, Egypt, at the uh, Hussein Mosque, and the uh, sword was also used at the Battle of Uhud. Um, so you know, I guess he was dual wielding. Yeah. I guess he he opened that branch of his uh, character his progression. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then his followers used it to demonstrate their, their fealty to him. So, like, maybe he had, like, a bad role and the DM forced him to drop his weapon. Wait, what do you mean they used it, it, is it to I demonstrate mean, you know, fealty? I mean, I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> so that's that's why I envisioned, like, he was fighting and he uh-huh. was dual wielding. And maybe he was on horseback oh, and yeah. just had a bad role on a, you know, on a... Like, like a, a, a bad save or, or a dex check and the horse tripped and he fell, dropped one of the swords. You know, that's what I'm saying. The DM figured impose a penalty. Yeah. But then it was NPC's turn, rolled really well, got a 20, and one of the NPCs just ran up, grabbed the sword. And, that uh, makes and sense. Then, you know, how do you show fealty to your leader? You slaughter your enemies. So, you know, all in all, it, uh, it ended well. The next sword he has... Uh, is the Almathur, uh-huh. the Almathur? I mean, I'm not really sure. It's also known as the uh, Mathur Al-Fijar, and it's the uh, sword that Muhammad owned before he uh, received his first revelations in Mecca. Uh, it was given to him due to the will of uh, his father. The will of his father, yeah. So here's where i'm not sure you know so so is this a reference to god or his dad and well 
Is father capitalized? No, it's not. And it's, it's, and it's definitely his dad. his dad. And is it the will of his um, father as in just because his, his dad's like free will, he gave it to him? Or was it his like last will and testament? Uh, <laughs> given the context of the region of the world and the time that we're talking about, it was probably probably not even last will or testament. It was his dad probably just forced it on him. He was like, take this. Take this sword, motherfucker. And... and solve the world's problems it's dangerous to go alone uh exactly exactly i mean it's what any good father would do for his son right yep like you're about to go on on a you know journey you're about to go adventure it's what link's dad did yeah that old that old fucking guy in the cave was his dad right was he (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) i mean could be you never know um Link's dad. Link lives in town and his dad just lives on the outskirts of town in a fucking cave. In an empty cave with nothing but three rocks and a sword. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all you really need, right? Um, you, 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 uh, you bring with you your meager possessions. Three <laughs> rocks and a sword. Uh, but apparently this sword too was transferred to uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib um, along with other war equipment. Uh, the length of this blade was about a hundred uh, centimeters. So That's like, a lot of centimeters. Yeah, it's like close to five feet, I think, something like that. Really? Um, I, I don't know centimeters very well. That's or maybe not five. five feet, but like probably like four feet. Damn, that's almost as big as the wall of sword. But yeah, I mean, it, it ridiculously, ridiculously long. But what I like is that the handle mm-hmm. is made of gold in the shape of two serpents, and it's encrusted with emeralds and turquoise. There's an inscription saying Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib, uh, which is like the name of his dad. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's like the equivalent of getting like a hand-me-down like pair of combat boots that just says like your dad's name in them. <laughs> basically, except but, like the fancy version. Yeah, this one's made of gold. Dude, I feel like if... It's if, made of gold and it's meant to kill. <laughs> dude, but if you put emeralds and turquoise on a handle uh like that's not comfortable that's not only is it not comfortable like first off people have wedding rings and shit which is like a really small thing that's not gonna wind up getting hit a lot right like a sword hilt dude, dude emeralds and are the like diamonds the fall off of that shit all the time yeah not emeralds only are emeralds are the, weakest. the weakest you know what even is even weaker than emeralds fucking gold they made the hilt out of gold yeah true right yeah the gold's hell? very soft. valuable dude yeah dude yeah man, these idiots um i'm just kidding I mean, it's probably. I mean, it's probably a dope sword. It's most likely he, well, when, it's, it's, when someone of royalty is using a sword, it's the yeah. uh, the person they're using against using it against is tied up. So right, right, yeah, right. I guess it's not really. There's no hand to hand combat happening. With yeah, the next sword is the uh, Ar Rasub, um, and it's said that the uh, weapons of the House Muhammad were kept among his family, just like the Ark was kept with the Israelites. Uh-huh. Uh, the sword is uh, preserved in that same uh, Top Kapi Museum in Istanbul. Top Kapi, not Top Kapi. I'm doing that on purpose. Uh, this this blade, too, is uh, ex- exceedingly long. It's 140 centimeters. That's basically the depth of, like, the shallow end of the pool. Damn, dude. Or, like, 10 centimeters under, but whatever. Uh it has gold circles on it, so maybe precursor to the Olympics. I don't know. <laughs> uh, then there's the Al-Batar, 
It was uh, one of the booty swords. Booty uh, sword. That Muhammad took from the Banu Kwainak. Kwa booty, booty, booty sword rocking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> rocking everywhere. Rocking everywhere. Uh, it's called the Sword of the Prophets. Uh, it's inscribed in Arabic with the names of David, Solomon, Moses, Aaron, uh, excuse me, Aaron, Joshua, uh, Zechariah, John, Jesus, Zechariah, and, and, and well, it's Z E C H. Oh, it's Zechariah. It's Zechariah. Uh, and Muhammad. See, people always shit on millennials for having weird names, but they were naming motherfuckers Zechariah. That's something that I could legitimately see someone our age having a kid naming it Zechariah, like with. Like with a K and an H at the dude, end. Dude, did David come before Solomon? I, fuck, dude. I don't know. We've Wait, David was the one that fought Goliath, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess maybe he did kind of come before uh, before Solomon. But so this sword, you know what I envisioned this? Hmm. Like with the Sword of the Prophets? Like, let's pretend the Bible is real, right? Yeah. Uh, and this sword's also, the, the length is 101 centimeters. So it's the Sword of the Prophets. You know what I envision this? This is like the Highlander sword that can only be one. Yeah. Except God is like just passing it around. So he gives it to David. Like, here's a sword. Put your name in it. So he puts his name in it. And then Solomon comes and just fucks him up. Takes the sword. Puts his name Cross in his it. name out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fucking tattoo of names. You just cross out. Solomon was here. Yeah, yeah, right. W-U-Z. And then like you've got Moses on there. And like... I mean, I was uh, indoctrinated in the church, yeah, as a wee laddie. Um, but and you know, I remember Moses doing the whole bunch and, of by, shit by the, the church. Staff. By the church, what what variety of the church? Roman Catholic. Oh, okay, you, you know, it's your pretty normy normy level indoctrination. Yeah, like nothing nothing too bad. No, yeah, I no. was standard American slash Irish Catholic. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I didn't learn anything. Well, I, 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 I think I told you. Uh, I'll, I told you the biggest lesson I learned. What? Two biggest lessons. Right. Uh, with the the money and the plate getting oh. tossed up in the air, and mm -hmm. the the priest driving the BMW with his wife and three kids. We'll Good. leave those stories. So we're we're gonna do uh, once our our Patreon is looking pretty full and fat. We're gonna do like uh, Patreon only. Uh, podcast episodes where we talk about our, our lives and stuff. So we'll keep that for that one. Subscribe to that and we'll take down religion. We're going to end religion as you know it. It's over after this epic takedown. <laughs> the Campfire Kumbaya Boys destroy, all, all caps, destroy uh, Catholicism in this one amazing rant. That's our clickbait title for the YouTube video about this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably not going to do that. That's a lot of responsibility. Dude. No, one, uh, one of our fans will take up the mantle. I'm, I am confident that we're going to have very dedicated fans and a lot oh, of them. Dude, yeah, absolutely. With, with deep pockets and, so, <laughs> uh, and very little uh, financial uh, common sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what we need. It's our ideal um, list. So, but not only did this sword have the names of all these people, including Jesus. Jesus. Dude, like, I wonder if he wrote Jesus. Like, I wonder the, if he wrote Jesus fucking Christ on it. That would be fucking awesome. But, but dude, wasn't Jesus like the poster boy for pacifism? Right. He had a sword, and he was like, uh, "Put my name on it. <laughs> it's mine now." I wonder if this is just like a big fucking dick joke. Because <laughs> so apparently, this sword also had a drawing of King King David cutting off the head of Goliath. 
And it's like, didn't he take Goliath out with a, with a little rock? stone from yeah, a slingshot? A sling. Not even a slingshot. Yeah, I think it was, it was like a, a spin shot. A, like a sling, like, like in the sense of it was a leather strap yeah, like with a rock in it sling. that you just swing around over your head. like. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, okay, but, but so it has that one. Uh, it also... <laughs> Uh, it also features a Nabataean inscription, Nabataean. Wait, I, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on this David beheading Goliath. Like the modern version of that would literally be like David storming into a school full of Goliaths with an AR-15. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Sorry, uh, go ahead. So apparently, it, yeah, it also has an inscription of uh, from, from Nabatea. And that was a region uh, of Northern Arabia, Southern Levant. Yeah. Oh, it's Petra. You know what? Oh, that's the the people that built their uh, buildings in, in rocks and stone. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so that's dope. Like nods to the Maya and the Aztecs. See, dude, seven episodes in and we're already making circles back to, yeah, uh, to our roots. Yeah, it's a motherfucking tie-in. It's a callback. Yeah, callbacks, bro. Uh, so yeah, the blade was 101 centimeters long, and it's currently in that same museum in Istanbul. Um, yeah, okay, this is the best one. It is claimed by some to be the sword that Jesus will use when he returns to earth to defeat the Antichrist, Christ, Dajjal. Fuck, dude, he's gonna come back with that sword, and he's gonna cut off Hillary Clinton's head. Dude, he's gonna put his name. He's gonna put his name. So, is he gonna put his name at the end of the list, or is he just gonna etch his name, but like deeper? Yeah, like in bold font. You yeah, know? yeah, I think so. I mean, I I wouldn't put it past him to completely reforge the blade so that no one else's name on it, his name is on it, and he just puts it on there. And well, I mean, but technically, he was the last one before Muhammad. Yeah, I mean, so, it's it's really interesting to know now for a fact. You know, r slash no morbid questions or morbid questions, one or the other. Uh, yeah, no no morbid questions. I would think would be pretty tame. Yeah, it's no not morbid one. questions allowed. Yeah, more morbid questions. Point being, you know, you got to explore. You got to explore in the abyss. You know, if you. Mm -hmm. If you stare long enough, you just you gotta start turning the pages. That's very true. Uh, but yeah, so the next uh, the next sword is uh, Hath, and it is uh, also a sword that was taken as booty from Banu Kwainakwa. Uh, but this sword apparently um, was King David's uh, because he took it um, from Goliath. And he took it as booty when he defeated him. Um, Wasn't Goliath like a giant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to my knowledge, Goliath, uh, you know, didn't use a sword because he was so fucking big. Um, but yeah, and then somehow this is relevant. I'm not really sure how, but apparently God gave King David the ability to work with iron to make armor and weapons uh -huh. and instruments of war. And uh, using this ability, he made himself a sword. And it was thus that the half sword came about. But I thought the half sword was Banu Koinakwas. I mean, maybe he took it from David later. Um, from the tribe of Levites. Uh, and they kept the weapons of the Israelites until it was passed in the hands of Muhammad. Yeah, it's hard to know. These things uh, change hands pretty frequently. 
yeah this this blade uh is 112 centimeters in length and it was uh why it was eight centimeters wide dude yeah I, I somehow have a feeling these are just fucking uh fucking meta dick jokes um <laughs> yeah i mean they're all they seem to be very um like they're focusing all, a lot on the length but all these swords apparently exist and, and you know maybe maybe because i do want to go to istanbul so maybe i'll uh i'll go to top cappy museum uh because, yeah, so there's a... Steal that motherfucking sword, National Treasure, <laughs> treasure Style. Dude, that would be a great fucking movie. Yeah, and then Jesus will have to take it from you. Dude, I mean, as long as he, you know... Or maybe you'll kill Jesus. Or maybe you will be Jesus. Maybe There's a lot of possibilities maybe, that could maybe open Maybe Jesus' soul is, is has been scattered across the nine swords. And, uh, you know... You, uh, uh, like they're horcruxes. Yeah, 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 Savior will come and unite all the swords, and then Jesus' soul will be uh, absorbed into the Savior. Yeah, it's, it's um, a, a lot like Harry Potter, but instead of Voldemort, it's Jesus. Yeah, I'm telling you, we should be writing books. But uh, this next sword, Kuali, uh, it, it's it's related in name to Syria, or a place in India near China, or, you know, somewhere in the world. Uh, the reference being tin or white lead. Uh, you know, so that's the makeup of the sword. Uh, it's one of the three swords that Muhammad, yeah, so it's the last sword that Muhammad jacked from Banu Koinakwa. But apparently, the grandfather of Muhammad discovered the swords uh, of Kuali when he uncovered the well of Zamzam in Mecca. Um, this blade, too, is 100 centimeters in length, it has an Arabic inscription uh, above the handle. And it says, this is the noble sword of the house of Muhammad, the prophet, the apostle of God, thir 13th apostle, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it is a distinguished blade from the others because of its uh, wave-like design. Uh, design. So, you know, it's it's a wavy sword. It's It's got style. It's got culture. You know, it, uh, it, it you know, came from a well. Um, it's it's breaking out of the, uh, it's, it's living life outside the bun you know yeah exactly exactly and then uh there's the al mikadam mm -hmm. uh and that uh apparently is also another sword that muhammad passed to uh, ali bin abi talib uh and, for, and and from him to his sons so you know they're just passing these swords down um this guy had a lot of fucking swords. But then some people say that this sword was uh, actually taken as booty by Ali bin Abi Talib when he raided uh, Syria. Booty, 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 booty. Uh, now this blade, <laughs> this blade is 97 centimeters in length. So, you know, shorter, shorter than the others, but, um, <coughs> you know, it's definitely been passed around. Uh, or at the very least, seized. Um once or twice. Then the last sword is the Al Qadib. It's a tin bladed sword. Um, tin. It just seems weird. It, it it thin. Sorry. Oh. Thin thin bladed sword. Yeah, my pronunciation's shit today. It's um, all good, man. It's probably the mild uh, uh, aspasia I'm developing. But uh, it, it was uh, essentially a sword that uh, is said to resemble a rod. Mm -hmm. So is it a fucking rod or a sword? 
you know, who knows, know. really. But uh, is it, a sharp rod a sword, technically? I mean, probably. Maybe more of a spear, I guess. I, Rudimentary spear. Yeah, maybe, maybe I bring in my uh, historical expert. <laughs> but uh, it was a sword of defense or companionship for the traveler. But not to be used in the battle. See, fucking dick jokes, dude. Uh, uh, on the side of the sword in silver, it's written that there is no God but God, capital G, Muhammad, the Apostle of God, Muhammad bin Abdul bin Al Mutalib. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what some of these um, shortenings stand for, so I do apologize. We are a culturally sensitive podcast and accepting of. Uh, th this podcast was created by a team of multicultural. How's the Assassin's yeah, Creed thing go? Yeah, just essentially just insert the uh, the Assassin's Creed uh, motto. That's what we stand for. Yeah. Uh, there's no <laughs> indication of any historical source that this sword was used in any battle. So maybe this is you know the the last of the swords and the ceremonial one. Uh, it's a hundred centimeters in length. It has a scabbard of dyed animal hide. So it's interesting that this is the only sword for which there's a reference to the scabbard. Um, well, there was also the, well, the only one of uh, Muhammad's swords. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's so, also the human skin scabbard. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. So this is, a, this is a subsect of this episode where we're covering Muhammad's weapons. Apparently, he also had a quiver. Uh, it had a strap made of tanned skin. Uh, three silver circular rings, a buckle, and an edge made of silver. So it's a silver quiver. Um, then Muhammad had six bows: Azavara, Arvrahua, Rauha, uh, As Safra, Al Baida, Al Katum, and As Sadad. Uh, he also had uh, five spears: Al Mutwi, Mutni, Al Nabah. And Al Baidal, Anazah, uh, which was more a, a short lance than a spear, uh, but he uh, he used this one in festivals, and then uh, <laughs> for what? It's like it's bash on the pinata. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not. I'm never really sure. So uh, we've we've bah. <laughs> This is a loose episode. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. We've so we've named our sources before. So I do want you to know that this all comes from Wikipedia, and so I'm gonna read this verbatim from Wikipedia and take it for what it's worth, aka that it's from Wikipedia. Uh -huh. So, uh, and this describes his armor, and namely just the one. Uh, it's Dat Al Fadul, is a uh, piece of armor that. Uh, Muhammad owned, and it was later pawned with Abu Ash-Shaham, a Jew, in return for some 30 sa. It, its weights relate to food. Oh, 30 sa of barley for his family. Uh, it was a year's worth of a debt, and it was uh, iron-made armor. So, yeah, nothing much there. Uh, a bunch of other armor. Uh, there's not a whole lot in terms of uh, cool descriptions on these. Uh, he had some shields, uh, but he also accessorized. <laughs> uh, he had a black banner, Al Uqwab. That's fancy um, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also had white banners uh, that were mixed with black. He had a pavilion 
called Alcan, um, and a, a crook that was one cubit's length long. Uh, he would carry it while walking or riding, so I guess it was his walking or riding stick. A baton called Al Arjun, and a staff called Al Mamshuk. This dude um, had he had a stupid amount of legendary weapons. That's too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. So he was it's, like, I, I, at that point, they're not legendary. They're just like, yeah, I've got a lot no, of stuff you know, too. He was uh, be he, like if I tried to make like my fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even know. No, no, no. Well, he was a lot like I am when it comes to video games. You know, you just collect a bunch of shit and like. Right, but that would be like if I was like, oh yeah, my fucking copy of Splatoon Two is epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is imbued with significance. I mean, but that's um. Yeah, you know that's what you do when you're uh, uh, a religious warlord, leader. Yeah, you know, you uh, you war and lord with uh, you know, and you collect booty. And, true. and and triumphantly display it. I mean, it's exactly what I would, uh, you know, how I would how I would do it. Um, but while we are in the sort of Jesus and Muhammad cinematic universe, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to cover the uh, Spear of Destiny next? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is one that I I, I know it's bad uh, praxis to um, mention other podcasts on your podcast but this is something that i heard on kind of a vintage episode of last podcast on the left when they're covering nazis mm-hmm. um and it's the uh the spear of destiny so essentially the backstory for it is it was um apparent it was said to have been wielded by a centurion who stabbed jesus during his crucifixion while that oh, sounds that while that sounds awesome you know stabbing jesus what would be better well, so, <laughs> kidding. you know, what's, it was actually, it was supposed to be a, a merciful act. Right, right, right. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you're basically saving him to, th- like. Yeah, he's, he's trying to make him die faster. Because crucifixion ain't fun. Well, dude, you know how, so, so this is a quick tangent. You know how uh, people go to Jerusalem to get crucified? No. Around, like, Easter time, I think. What the fuck? No. Yeah, yeah, this is the thing. People, to get legitimately crucified? Yeah, yeah, But, like, it's all sanitary. Like, they dip all the nails and shit. And oh, it's just like... It's all clean. But, like, you're still getting crucified. And to death? On there. No, 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 no. Like, they, they get... What the fuck kind yeah. of weird-ass brand of Christian do you have to... Like, how? what level of Christ complex must you have well, to you, actually you, go you, to you jerusalem don't, to be crucified you, you don't you don't want to be closer to your lord and savior <laughs> i don't think that's, i don't think that's his point that's interesting um but yeah so my point with there is that um it takes a long time to get crucified yeah and so to stabbing would actually yeah, make the you process know, yeah, better. Like you're, yeah, you're helping to do it out. Like, right, yeah. That's obviously, I, you I, can't I, take him down while he's alive. Right. Because, like, I mean, the Romans were pretty fucked. Like, I, I would even venture to say to have to have had him crucified was probably more merciful than... Like, they could have taken him to... They could have walked him all the way to Rome and put him in the Colosseum with, like, a bunch of lions... They could have laddered them in like some marmalade and like Christian iconography would be a lot different. I'll t- tell you tossed that. him in a tossed him in a uh, a den of fire uh, fire ants or like some other shit, you know. Yeah, dude. like crucifixion probably you know from a mythical standpoint is better, but honestly, 
like if I had to choose between crucifixion or the Colosseum, assuming of course that I wouldn't be provided a weapon and armor in the Colosseum. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably... I, I'd, I'd probably go Colosseum just because you could just, I mean, if you really just wanted to get it over with, you could just kind of be like, all right, lions. Yeah, that's true. And they, they kill you in like... Yeah, because suffocating over tops. three days as your like lungs it would, collapse. Yeah, it would suck to be worse. disemboweled and eaten alive by a lion, but that's probably going to be over in, I mean, max 10 minutes. Well, yeah, a and, lot sooner than crucifixion. Yeah, which, is, which would take like at least a day. Um, so anyway... Yeah. Um, uh, since the uh, spear, um, you know, touched the uh, almighty God hippie's blood, um, it was imbued with relevance. Uh, and uh, since then, many rulers have owned uh, slash stolen it, mm -hmm. including Hitler. Of course. Um, and according to legend, uh, the owner of the spear supposedly dies shortly after losing ownership of it. Now, the only case of this that I was able to find any actual evidence for was the case of Hitler. And it seems more like a happy coinkydink than anything else. Mm -hmm. Because basically what happened was, I mean, we all know Hitler killed himself, but essentially what happened was the uh, Root Tootin Americans um, took the uh, location where the spear was being held about 80 minutes before Hitler killed himself. But I don't think that them taking that location like magically made him want to kill him it's like a correlation causation thing like right they took yeah he killed himself because they were taking everything which included right. which just exactly. happened to include this spear that he thought was really expensive. and that's that's of course assuming that hitler did kill himself because they never found the body right and that's also assuming that this spear that he had was even the real one the real one if the real one even exists jesus may not have even been a person let's keep that in mind right like there's there's a lot of um so this could just be a random ass there's spear. a lot of what if that is uh yeah does this kind of finish out all of our biblical ones because man those um, are all fucking boring yeah yeah i don't have a. well i do have uh some and they're very loosely they're tied to the bible in the same way that like anglo-saxons might be tied to okay well that's less terrible i feel like the fucking the the shit that i found in like asia was way cooler than the shit that's, oh, dude. That's around the bible it's 100 percent. so boring. um so do we let, let's maybe go to Asia and then circle back, or do you want to just kind of um... let's go to Asia and then circle back? I'm, okay, I'm cool. fucking sick of the biblical era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I've got I've got two. Well, I've got one one that's just a specific legendary weapon, and then the other one is the uh, one we talked about earlier. So do you want me to do the legendary one first? Yeah, go ahead. We can do the next one. Um, okay, so the one I had was the Tanbukiri, which is uh, a legendary spear. Um, created by Fujiwara Masazane. Uh, Masazane. Ma, uh, what's what's the name of it again? Fujiwara Masazane. Oh, Masazane. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's a famed swordsmith? Um, and then the blade was wielded by Honda Todakatsu, a legendary warrior and the founder of Katsu Burger. That was a joke. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. So Katsu Burger is actually. Owned by a Korean family. Okay, so different. It was because I mean, it's Todakatsu. It had but... his name had Katsu in it. I so mean, so he's probably Katsu related Burger. to like 
Maybe he was a pig farmer. Does Katsu mean pig? Yeah. Oh. Are the pit, are the burgers there made out of pork? Mostly. But they do offer uh, vegan Well, yeah, I've, only, I've only had their like, tofu ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're an all-inclusive Hell yeah, dude. establishment. Well, you learn something new every fucking podcast. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the whole point. We're the, uh, an educational podcast. The cool thing about this spear, though, is uh, so it was nicknamed the Dragonfly Cutter. And this is, this is hearsay, but I, I'm going to go ahead and believe it. So apparently it's called that because a dragonfly landed on the blade and was cut in two just mm-hmm. by the force of landing on the stationary blade. Fuck on, it. The, on the Tombokiri? Yeah, it was that sharp. So, mm. uh, it, and it doesn't, it, this is one that actually doesn't exist today. There's only replicas of it. And I think there's two... Yeah. I think there's two or three replicas um, in a couple different museums. I just thought that one was really cool, mainly because of the dragonfly thing. I mean, that's pretty dope. Yeah, I would. I mean, like literally, if that if if that's true, and I had that, I would just set it on a table, blade up, and I would just set stuff on top of it just to cut it in half and like record it for YouTube videos. Then I'd have a career, like the fucking the the, the hydraulic press guy. Yeah, dude, I mean, that sounds like uh, an endeavor worth uh, pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I love, I love the Japanese uh, history of of sword making uh-huh. and the craftsmanship. Are you familiar with the Muramasa swords? Yes. Well, so that yeah, that was something I came across in my research. Is the coolest thing that I found out of dude, all of it. So dope. So what did you find? Uh, what did you find about the Muramasa? So, uh, well, what I found was that uh, Muramasa Sengo was um, a bad fucking ass Japanese swordsmith um, who a lot of people called him like an evil swordsmith because he apparently uh, prayed to the gods that his blades would bring great destruction to the world. Super As one cool. does, yeah. As yeah, one dude. does. Um, so people thought he was evil, and uh, they there was a rumor that anyone that used his weapons would be driven insane and would be like an incredibly effective killer with them. And to support that, there the his blades were, uh, I guess, used to kill almost every member of uh, Tokugawa Ayesu. I think Ayesu. Yeah. Ayesu. Uh, he was the first shogun. Of the Edo period, and uh, well, and that it was a it was basically an organization that ran Japan from 1600 to like 1868. Yeah, so they were the last shogunate uh, of the Edo period, and that's what in the West we uh, <coughs> we we look at as being synonymous with like the samurai era, uh-huh. right? Uh, and a shogunate just. Uh, War leaders. No okay. S- yeah. Same thing it's as Mohammed. Like, okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like a like a monarchy, but more uh, uh, war. Well, it's class. military. Yeah. It's military. Right. So basically, the um, Muramasa blades maker Muramasa Sengo uh, lived and and operated in the Muramachi period, uh-huh. which was essentially two centuries prior to Tokugawa. Uh, but that entire period was known as the Warring States period, largely. Yeah. And there was a bit of uh, so so in in Japan they have periods of shogunates and then a restoration. Okay. So they currently live in the Meiji Restoration, which was the 
So their revolutions kind of, so like here, like in, in the West, when a revolution happens, it's when the common folk take over from the, the king folk, right? So over there, it's more that uh, the uh, emperor and the imperial family is fighting, like not the common folk, but so samurai being like one level above the peasants. Right. No matter how you cut it, peasants get fucked. So um, <laughs> as usual, that's a but it, it's basically like two different two different uh, types of kind of feudal rule, right? One being the shogunate, so that's uh, one dude runs the whole thing, and right. everyone below him is uh, some type of general, and they own land and you know collect uh, tributes from fiefdoms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but yeah, so this was during the Muromachi period that he operated under, and uh, yeah, one of the things I loved uh, was that everyone thought that he was completely mad because he would just go through bouts of absolute violence and just murderous rage. Damn, dude. The, um, the sword maker himself? Yeah, and so he would just basically go and kill just everything around himself and that was one of his downfalls is when he just was it like people or is it animals it, or just, yeah, the people about? Oh, yeah no, just damn. just go like on batshit crazy slaughter fests um and then the the myths that sprung around that because uh, that's a common theme in uh in video games uh -huh. so there's a game called uh tenchu which is a ninja game and tenchu means divine punishment okay uh, but basically in Tenchu, you, uh, you start out and you're, you know, you always fight like the, uh, one bad guy ruler or whatever, who's kidnapped some peasant's daughter and Bowser it, it, basically, yeah. <laughs> but then as you progress through the levels, you start fighting demons. And so there's a level where you unlock the Muramasa sword uh -huh. and you have to use it to kill the demons. Yeah. But as you go, the sword basically, I mean, because it's a PlayStation 1 game, there's only so much mechanically they could do. So you're just losing health. Yeah. So basically, you have to speed run levels where there's demons to kill them faster so that your health doesn't go down. You should in, you should integrate something like that into our D&D campaign. Oh, dude. Like a blade that slowly drives. Can you, is there is there a mechanism for setting up like sanity in D&D? Because I know be. that's I know that's a thing in like Call of Cthulhu and shit, but so I mean I yeah the biggest thing the biggest problem right that a player might have is player agency, uh -huh. but I have some ideas on how to circumvent. Well, and we've kind of dealt with that in the past. This is getting into the weeds of our D and D thing. I may or may not leave this in, <laughs> um, but we've dealt with that in the past when like we were doing sessions where you know we were dosed with drugs and shit. Right. It would be essentially exactly. along the same lines, I would think. Yeah, it, it basically, so I would just make you do intelligent checks. Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I have ideas around cursed items yeah. uh, that make you want to kill things. That and, would be fucking cool know, to like have, like, a Muramasa type blade in a D&D. &D. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, I, well, I can't wait to so, start and DMing. So is that stuff about him going on murderous rampages and shit, is that like confirmed or is that more like legend stuff about him? Cause a lot of the stuff I saw was like more or less unconfirmed. Like it was confirmed enough that the guy was like at least weird because everyone knew, knew him as crazy, but it seemed like a lot of this stuff came out a little like after his death. Um, so yeah, I would say that all of these stories have to be taken kind of as, 
you know, as told and with a kind of at face value or with a grain of salt or with the understanding that, you know, we'll never know. It probably has some basis in folklore. Because a lot of the stories came out after. So it could either be that, um, you know, the current ruler wants to uh, decimate the reputation of the previous one. Because what, what does stand true, no uh-huh. matter how you look at it, is that uh, his school of sword making was renowned for the best, most extraordinary quality and sharpness Oh yeah, uh, and so all of the blades that they made, their swords were sought, sought after, uh, because most typical sword uh, sword makers, craftsmen, weren't making blades that were that good due to the impurities that were just uh, inherent in the metalwork, right? Right. So you make a blade, and you know you don't really pay attention. Like you're just like you know, quick scheming it. It's like production line. Let's make a hundred swords. Cause you know, homie over there is going to fight. Right. And like, yeah, the sword is going to break, but like, hopefully it won't break while he's yeah, getting you'll killed. Stab a couple people before it does. Right. And so like, you know, my, my, uh, warranty will have been voided because it lasts so long. <laughs> right. Like ho- hopefully the warranty I'm giving you on the sword expires by the time <laughs> you get to the battlefield type of deal. Right. Yeah. But so for, for him to be the only one, to have swords worth talking about, mm-hmm. there's some credence, right, that that kind of gives you inherently. Yeah. And so even if it was all fake, let's say, right, the fact that your enemy is so upset that your swords are so good right, because they killed your father, your brothers, your moms. And they're clearly like scared of you. Right. Like they're, well, not just of you. They're afraid of your sword. Uh, yeah. Because there, there are stories where they give the sword the power to control the individual, the, the sword wielder bearer. Right. Saying that if you don't kill when wielding the sword, the sword gets thirsty. And so then the sword forces you to kill some more until you eventually commit suicide. Those are maybe some of the more fictional adaptations. There's right. a show on Netflix uh, right now that um, basically is about one of those swords. Yeah. And the sword literally transforms the person into the weapon where then you're just a blind zombie being driven by this sword to just lop heads off. Fuck <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, so, so whether that's you know true or not, Hard to say. We didn't have cameras everywhere and 24-hour stream ability. Right. But uh, just the fact that that's like the propaganda that your enemy went with after they killed you. (laughs) You know, I mean, if I had a choice of how I wanted to be remembered by and it was either nothing or Or the guy who makes the best weapons in the world that drive people insane. Yeah. You know, in a time of war, yeah, I, I'd go Miralasa in a romantic way. I would take that. Yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> if that was um, eventually, they were outlawed, right? His blades, right? Um, Effectively, yeah. I read a story that one guy was caught with twenty-four wow. Miramasa swords and was ordered to publicly perform seppuku as punishment. So he had to disavow himself. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to go out. Ah, oh, Jesus. It's man. well, it's it's you know, it stems from like it gives you the ability to redeem yourself. Right. I get that it's like an honor thing, but like, so this guy clearly, it's like he didn't 
it, it, once you have 24 of something that's illegal, you he should was probably a tradesman. Like he was probably trying to like trying to sell them, sell them off. But the, I, I, I kind of get that. But like, if it was me and I have 24 Miramasa swords, I'm probably feel like this, I'm breaking an immoral law, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if they like order you to perform seppuku and you're just like, no. Well, so, okay, you do so it. here's, yeah. <laughs> like, cause so, I wouldn't do that. I, right, I just right, don't right. know. I'd be like, so I, here's, here's what that is. Um, so fundamentally the mindset of us here in the West uh-huh. is very, uh, focused towards being an individual, right? right. Individual right of self. Um, you know, we call the player agency, but what's the real world definition? Like, uh, you know, you have the right to your own body. Well, it's individualism right. versus like communalism, yeah. so, right? So, so, yeah. Which I think communalism, honestly, is it has a lot more value than individualism. So, um, but, but here's what happens. Basically, if you're that guy, you have a family, and the shogunate was like be all end all. It's God for all intents and purposes. It's God talking. Yeah. So, when you get caught, everything you own can be seized. Well, it will be seized right. and redistributed, and so you're wife and you know let's say if you're unfortunate in that time to have a daughter and for all of you uh leaning to the left unfortunate from the standpoint of the context of that time meaning that now they're on the street and basically they're not even low enough to be whores yeah so sex workers not even like well probably, no, probably just, won't even get i'm just like, saying that's the preferred nomenclature i'm sure, sure it wasn't right, right, the time. Right. <laughs> yeah right okay so what i'm saying is that what he's doing by disemboweling himself and restoring his reputation is he is ensuring that their home uh, isn't taken from Okay, him. right. Okay, so it's uh, it's maintaining worse, the the honor of the rest of the family, it right? You, really you're you're maintaining you. the order, the honor and order of your own house, right? So okay. everyone under your emblem could suffer. I get that. Yeah. Uh, and if you're big enough to have an emblem, like. You know, it's it's everyone in your family tree. Like, yeah, like it, it could be people that you know in the context of today. Like, you know, you haven't tweeted at in ten years, but all of a sudden they have you know military knocking on their doors, and like they don't even know who the fuck Kenny and Alex are. Right. But the the guy sitting there with a gun is like, they have this podcast we don't like. Yeah. And you know, to the gulag with you. You know, right. off we go. And so if he disembowels himself. Then his family is more uh, or less then remains intact. Yeah, worst case scenario, like they'll work, you know, for the ruling family, like sweeping floors and shit, you know, or whatever. It won't be so bad. Yeah, because it's not like they'll be like killed. Damn, dude, Nobody's that's merciful. That's fucked. Yeah, um, uh, seppuku is just dark. Yeah, for sure, dude. Um, that all whole... over here, just having just a stockpile of twenty four magical evil swords dude yeah yeah i mean like it's crazy to think about that something like that uh even existed yeah um that's crazy did you have anything else on the muramasa blades not the muramasa blades but there were um so there were a few other japanese swords one is the uh the seven branched sword okay they founded in 1945 um, and it was found in the, uh, Isonokami shrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, kami means God. Um, 
Isano. It, it was uh, an unusual make. It had six protrusions branching out from its sides, uh, the tip being considered the seventh. Uh, it was uh, found to be in poor condition, but had a faded inscription uh, along the blade. Now they've, uh, you know, the translation was, was always questioned because it's so faded, who knows. Um, but it was uh, pretty clear that it was a gift from a Korean king to a Japanese monarch. So they, uh, they referenced the sword in, a, uh, in the Nihon Shoki, which is a uh, historical document cataloging the early history of Japan, but it's very uh, folklore rich uh, or, or uh, you know, folklore uh, infused document. Um, that said, it is considered to be like the defining historical document for the, you know, before time. Times. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, uh, the, the sword in this document also has the seven branches, uh, and it was given to Jingu, a semi-mythical shaman empress, and it's uh, therefore a keystone of this uh, legend becoming fact. It also gives credence to Jingu uh, as an empress, uh, and thus, you know, cementing her in the in the history of Japan, especially Japan being, you know, more male centric in terms of you know it's your father line that matters yeah uh, etc etc uh there are further uh sources in china and korea as well and the isonakami shrine is mentioned in other documents uh that come from around the same time of the nihon shoki and so there is uh there there is a potential for this sort to be like a real thing there's not a lot around uh you know the superpowers of the sword or like why it had the seven branches uh seems relatively impractical right wouldn't you want your sword to just have like one pointy tip yeah but there so i mean i guess if you had like seven very skinny and close together dudes in front of you <laughs> you could stab all of them at once yeah or if you were like fighting like uh, Hydra, you know, because that <laughs> mythological creature is, is referenced uh, in a bunch of places, right? So if you were, like, if you were some type of god, you and, cut all uh, their throats at once. And, you know, like you could probably, you, you know, if you are so mythologically powerful that the mechanics are no longer important, yeah, of how you would wield a seven-branched sword <laughs> uh, to cut off you know, seven or eight wildly flailing heads. Yeah. Then, yeah, like, you know, why not? Yeah, I mean, why not just go balls to the wall with it, put 18 on there? Yeah, I mean, you just, like, if you want to write good fiction... Just have a know, big just... circle that's a blade with a handle Dude, those exist. I, yeah, I've seen them. They're cool. In I mean, India, I've, dude. Oh, I've seen them in mostly video games. So in India, in there's, this, the uh, there's this sword. It's basically a circle, and uh, they just throw them vertically up. Oh, shit. That's what I do in Breath of the Wild, too. Dude, so you know what I'm trying to figure out? What? Like, the fighting style. Like, if I had a sword that I'm tossing up, mm -hmm. that means, like, I have to run up under your neck. Yeah. And just, like, uh, not Liu Kang, but Kung Lao. Yeah. Like, the dude with the Mortal Kombat with the Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. 
<laughs> but yeah, the dude that would just fling his hat. So I'm just like running up, like ducked low, like a ninja. Yeah. Run up and then just from under, you just toss it up. I think this is like the third episode we mentioned in Mortal Kombat. Dude, yeah. Maybe we should do an episode of, uh, of, uh, on Mortal Kombat. Um, um, but yeah, and then um, I forget there was one sword. I think it was the uh, the guy that took over Muramasa. Um but one of his swords was carried by uh, one of the generals of World War Two. Oh shit! Uh, and then he gave it to an American, and the sword disappeared. Fucking like, typical Americans, dude. I don't know. I mean, no, well, no, it's cool. Like he accepted it as um as a tribute, you know. No, and no, then, I'm just saying typical Americans in that we, you know, take historical things of value and then hoard them away from the public eye. Oh, yeah, of course, dude. Like. It's like, oh yeah, this is obviously just goes in my house. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, I, I mean, I would put it on the mantle. Shit, I would build a mantle for it. Yeah, that's true. I'd probably um, I'd sell it. It belongs in a museum. Um, uh, did you did you read anything about the sword of Gaujian? Gujian? Uh yes, dude, a little bit. But Do you know how to pronounce me. that? Um. Hold on, let me let me take a look. G O U G I A N. Uh, Joyeun. Oh, I wasn't even fucking close. Maybe. Uh, so so what I did is uh, th- so this is what I did to check it out, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. but basically, uh, what I do is I go to Google Translate. Uh, oh, and they've got that little pronounce thing. Yeah, I used to use that at our old job all the time pronunciation and then so google used to and and google i know you're listening but google used to suck shit (laughs) take that google um when it came when it comes to pronunciations yeah but uh but they've gotten a lot better i think i actually used to use the dictionary.com one or something or maybe there's like one that was specifically for names i don't know you said guijin uh oh it translates as construct hold on let's see if this is it how, how do you spell it um g-o-u-j-i-a-n that's it here okay we go. so i'm gonna say sword of there you go go g so do it I, again kind of sounds like goten it's like goatee goatee it's your birthday <laughs> It's not a 50 cent song. Uh, somehow I still like the, how do I pronounce it? Jojin. I don't know. Jojin. That's, that's not how I pronounced it originally. All right. Well, Jojin. I think uh, Jojin is appropriate. Jojin. <laughs> I don't know if I can do the one that she's doing without sounding offensive. Well, um, the sword is dope, though. Yeah. So currently it's located in the Hubei uh, Provincial Museum. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it was uh, incredibly resilient because it uh, was in it's remained in fantastic condition despite being over 2000 years old. And it spent a lot of those 2000 years in like wet conditions. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, And they only found it in like 1965. Right. So most of those 2000 years, uh, presumably, I mean, maybe the first couple hundred, it was owned by somebody. But after that, up until 1965, um, it was just sitting in a wet cave. 
and it didn't rust. It had no signs of rust. And uh, upon further investigation, they found out that uh, the surface of the blade was sulfated, uh, making it rust proof. And this is something that like was not um, like generally around in the era, especially in the West. So um, it's pretty uh, remarkable that they um, that they were doing that at that time. Um, and then it had um, some ancient Chinese script um, inscribed on it. Okay. Um, that translated to birds and worms and then it also had a, a translation of the uh what was assumed to be the original owner of it which um i think was i think it was actually Jujian's title that was on it and i think that's how they figured out that it was him but mm. I, I could be wrong about that it, it seemed like there was a kind of it you know because it was um in ancient chinese it took a while for them to be able to like translate all of that and stuff Right, yeah, not a lot of people speak ancient Chinese even in China. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like just contemplating that even in the world today, there's still on Earth, like let's call them for the purposes of this episode, mythical objects uh-huh. that we don't know, you know, we collectively know about as a, you know, society that's globally connected, let's call us. Um, cause yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like 1965, you know, granted we haven't explored most of our oceans yet, but largely I would say after world war two, we knew what all the continents look like. Yeah. So the fact that, that, that still sat there for, you know, another 20 years before it was found is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's, you know, that there are objects that were made like 2000 years ago is unfathomable to me. That's, that's an amount of time. I mean, and I know that there is like, obviously like there's things that we have found that are older, like, you know, fossils and shit. Well, right. Um, but for, for there to be a thing that was manufactured by people that's 2,000 years old and still in, like, usable condition is well, yeah, fucking mind-blowing to me. Like, that means when, and let's assume for the purposes of the information that we have, it's 2,000 years old. That means that back then when they made it, it was better than, you know, the average quality of shit today. Yeah. Right, because, like, by by a long shot. Yeah. I mean, the average quality of shit today, depending on what you're talking about, I mean, most shit lasts like, what, 10, 15 years? If you're yeah, lucky. I mean, it's not going to last 2,000. Like, if I took something and tossed it in the water. No, most things manufactured today aren't going to last years. 100 years. Well, not, not, in, its, not, in, not in its original condition, because right. I don't want you science freaks out there to talk to me yeah. about um, shelf actually, lives. Um, shelf lives of uranium and, yeah. you know, whatever, or paper in our oceans or you know why i should recycle and and scrape my you know food out of the plate when i toss it in the trash yeah keep it to yourself nerds yeah seriously (laughs) um but yeah they uh they are surprisingly uh attentive to to the swords that they make oh yeah totally and on the east part of the world for for sure and um those are all the legendary swords i had that's the end of my list dope um yeah i mean i have a bunch uh that i can talk about and uh maybe even some uh, honorable mentions 
Right on. Let's uh, run through them relatively quick because we're at an hour 35. Cool. And there's probably like 20 minutes of that that we can cut out because it's like at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah. I'm not going to eat You're probably going to cut yeah. this part out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had uh, one. It's the, the sword Durandal. Also Durandal or Durlinadana. Durlindana. Okay. Uh, in Italian, Durlindana. It's the sword of Roland. Uh, oh, I read about this one too. Yeah, Charlemagne's paladin. Uh-huh. Apparently, in Italian, uh, he's called Orlando. Uh, this sword is alleged to have been wielded by Hector of uh, Ilium. Yeah. Uh, apparently, sharpest sword of uh, all existence. So you know, back to the whole, uh, you know, sharp or cutting the, <laughs> the sword of Muhammad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Durandal was a uh, sword, like we said, uh, of Roland, and uh, apparently they say it belonged to Charlemagne. So yet again, that whole father to son, or you know, figuratively, I mean, we don't know. It's possible Charlemagne got with Roland's mom, and then you know it was outside the marriage, but she like pulled the string and was like. Put him in your guard. Let him be a pally, bro. Yeah. He's always wanted to protect, uh, yeah, protect the kingdom. So. And at that time, see, I can't remember. Were pallies OP back then? Or was that I patched mean, out? No, they, they were, well, they were OP in a sense that, you know, so they were tied to the king. So they probably had a, a bit of autonomy mm-hmm. uh, in how they operated, right? Like. It's not like they really had a boss to report to. Right. I was interested um, that he had a sword because as far as I knew, paladins had a proficiency for blunt instruments. Like yeah, maces. And, yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, usually uh, divine punishment uh, came down through uh, through blunt force drama. <laughs> um, Hell yeah, dude. But, uh, but yeah, so basically the sword, uh, the only notable thing and kind of mind-boggling taken at face value but the sword was capable of cutting through giant boulders with a single strike and it was also indestructible which you know is always great for a sword um yeah he said that about the titanic too uh famous last words yeah right um exactly basically there's some there are references in songs in 12th century and uh Chanson de Geste Minet. I'm not really sure what any of that means, but uh, the sword was owned by a bunch of uh, Sarkins, uh-huh. uh, and they were sons of kings, like uh, some dude named Almon, son of King Egalon, uh, owned it before Roland. Uh, and then there was, uh, yeah, there's a references to this guy conquering a horse also. I mean, yeah. It, you know. Conquering a horse? Seems like low bar. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, but then um, it also the, the the Sounds more like training either training or killing a horse. Uh, did I conquer my dog when I taught it to sit? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to get too far into that cuz I just I don't know how that works. Um, Wait, did he fuck a horse? Is that what they're like, trying like, to tell? Like I said, like I said, I'm not really going to get into that, but I do, um, like in the uh, chain of ownership, uh, they, they somehow 
found traces of the sword being uh, uh, owned by Hector of Troy. Uh, for a while, uh, the queen, Pantasilia of the Amazon, possessed mm -hmm. it. Uh, and then Almonte got it before Orlando uh, gained possession of it. Orlando had the coolest fucking name, though, because it was Orlando Furioso. Yeah. Which literally translates to Orlando Enraged. Yeah, yeah, dude, he was a barbarian in half. Which, that's crazy that he would even have a sword as a barb. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> like, really, why do you even need a sword, bro? Dude, I would love for there to be, like, a Lord of the Rings spinoff that's, like, only about Legolas, and it's called Lord of the Rings Orlando Enraged. <laughs> dude, that would be the best action flick of all time. Dude, Netflix, if you're listening, we will EP the shit out of this. Yes. I've got a lot of ideas. Yes, dude, for yeah, sure. The first one is renaming Legolas to Orlando Furioso. <laughs> it won't be confusing that his first name is the same as the actor's first name. I mean... Don't it, even worry it, it about, doesn't, about it doesn't, that part. We could just... We can completely cut Legolas out. It can just be his son. Yeah. And then, bam, fresh start. It, See, it could be... We're just straight retconning the entire universe. We're going to totally retcon it because now it is uh, uh, Furiosa from Mad Max, Fury Road. There it is. She, they, they, <coughs> after the events of Mad Max, Fury Road, they find a time portal, right? <laughs> and they go back in time. Furiosa does specifically. She goes back in time to Middle Earth, back in time and place. Yeah. Um, to Middle Earth. Plane shifting, I mean. Yeah. She gets together with Legolas. Mm -hmm. They have a baby. Yep. Its name, obviously, is Orlando Furioso. Perfect. Fucking Done. Lord of the Rings uh, 5 for um, Orlando Enraged. Yeah, uh, I like it. Done. Yeah, that's our pitch. Yeah. Um, so then the, uh, the next sword that... Uh, I actually kind of like the, uh, the the sword master of it, but it's the Dragvendil. Uh -huh. And the only references to that sword that I could find are in, uh, to the sword, are in video games. Uh -huh. Here's here's a picture That's of, the first sign that it's definitely real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but so this is uh, Egil, uh, the, the sword bearer of... Uh, of the sword. This guy's name is Egil Skalgrimson. That's a badass uh, name. Dude, yeah. I mean, basically, like... Not as cool as Orlando Furioso. Egil of Grimskull son. Dude, could you imagine how badass his dad was? That, I mean, that is a name straight out of... Hey, Warcraft Grimskull! 3. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's a troll warlord in Warcraft 3. Dude, or... Or he was actually kind of a, a nerd that got picked on a lot. Mm-hmm. And then just got his shit together, like just bloomed. Like twenty one, had his first beer, and all of a sudden, like his balls dropped, and he figured life out. Yeah, but you know, for nineteen, for the nineteen, uh, the year nine hundred. Sorry, when uh, you know he must have been around. That's kind of a late, like twenty one. Yeah, to have your balls dropped is pretty late. So you had a lot of uh, making up to do. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they he, drop hard. Yeah, if yeah they yeah. drop at twenty one. Yeah, yeah, they slam down. Dude, just like you can hear it, dude. Like, they're if you're in the room. Re it's reforming, just here. dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like Earth reforming. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the power. But this, check out. This is what he looks like. His son Egil. Yeah, he kind of looks like a, a little, little bit of a bitch. Well, he he looks like a hermit. 
but he has his own saga called Egil Saga, uh, and it's a period from approximately 850 to 1000 uh, CE, uh, written 200 years after. And um, yeah, basically he had this sword that, uh, you know, is so... Okay, so I just found the name of Egil's dad. What's his dad's name? Okay, are you ready? What? Yeah, I'm ready. Egil was born in Iceland and uh -huh. was the son of Skala Grimir, son, and Bera Ingvarsdutter, and the grandson <laughs> of Kveldulfur, just Kveldulfur, and uh, that means Nightwolf. His ancestor, Halbjorn, was Norwegian Sami. I don't know what a Norwegian Sami is. Halbjorn is pretty cool. Uh, so the the Sami people are the Finno-Ugric people. There's I, my uh, favorite um, uh, death metal spinoff band is Peter Hjelbjorn and John. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and so he essentially was a farmer, uh, a poet, and a traveler, and he traveled with his trusty sword. Uh, you know, probably cutting to and fro with Dragon Deal. Um, but yeah, and then uh, <laughs> this sword, <laughs> this is the sword of Magnus III of Norway. Okay. The sword is called Legbiter, and Magnus is known as Magnus Barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like the dude had a fixation on legs and feet. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's, uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's call it that. Um, and, and, uh, this guy's dad's name is Olaf Kiri. Uh, and yeah, Magnus was the king of, uh, southeastern Norway in, nine, uh, in, in 1093, shortly after his dad died. So some of these swords that, uh, you know, I try to find were kind of relatively recent history. Yeah. Or, you know, the people were more verifiable than like, because I know one of our Patreon subscribers is going to be like, but what about Excalibur and Arthur and blah, blah. And it's just like, shut up and pay your monthly bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, uh, the leg biter was his sword. And uh, it currently, in, in modern days, it has... Uh, it, it, oh yeah there's a beer named after it um nice but yeah so leg biter uh essentially it was basically a viking sword um that you know magnus the barefoot also known as bare legs uh <laughs> used um so there's not much there and then uh i also like the uh the sword of charlemagne Charles the Great. Hell yeah. Uh, was called Joy Use. Yeah. Like, was it joyful to use it? <laughs> like, was he just like, oh, this sword just brings me joy. Yeah, he's, he's just, just fucking lopping Doing it. the soy face while he's covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's the sword of Attila. Attila the Hun, uh, which is a sword that's been uh, said to have essentially been sent by the gods specifically sword of mars yeah and mars was the war god of the romans yeah uh istenkardia 
basically uh, the references to the sword come from uh, a Roman historian, Jordan, quoting uh, the work of Prisus. So it's basically a bunch of uh, he said, she said, um, but it was a sword found uh, by a shepherd uh, when he beheld one of his heifer heifers in the flock. Uh -huh. um, because the the heifer was essentially limping with no cause for this wound. Uh, so then he followed the trail of blood and found the uh, sword trampled. Uh, so he dug it up, gave it to Attila. Uh, Attila rejoiced at the gift. Um, and when he beheld uh, the sword, he thought he was being appointed ruler of the whole world and that it was uh, given to him by Mars, mm -hmm. thus further legitimizing the supremacy of Attila in all wars. Uh, Gotta love when someone's delusions reinforce their, um, their you know, fantasies of grandeur. Yeah, 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 their perception of their own destiny. Yeah. I mean, in fairness to Attila, you know, a.k.a. Genghis Khan, he he did single-handedly produce a bottleneck in the gene pool oh, yeah. of the entire world through the uh, murders that, that he committed to. On, totally. It would, I'm on, just saying, I'm just remarking... Like a citywide that, scale. Right. I'm just remarking that it would be helpful if, you know, his delusions were more like tamping down his ambitions. Maybe Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't oh, work man. that way. Um, maybe I'm not as cool as I think I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe if like mirrors were more prevalent, <laughs> so you could look at yourself in your, you know, disheveled state. Yeah, I mean, you know, narcissists gonna narcissist though. Right. Exactly. Um, and then the last two, the last two is the crochea mores, mm -hmm. more crotches. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a sword that, um, in Latin means the yellow death. Dope. Uh, and it was, uh, Julius Caesar's sword. Okay. Um, or at least that's according to the legends presented by Joffrey of Monmouth. Dude, like these names, like these are just fucking dick jokes. Like Crochea Moors and Monmouth. Like, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a place that is like a couple towns over from where my dad lives that's called Monmouth, New Jersey. Dude, so uh, the British prince Nennius mm -hmm. acquired the sword. Yeah. And, and this is the loosest definition of acquiring, but whatever. During single combat with Caesar, it got stuck in a shield. It killed everyone Nennius struck with it. And then Nennius died 15 days after the battle uh, due to a head wound inflicted by Kaisar. And then the sword was buried with him. So hmm. then, wait, Kaisar was like, no, you keep the sword, bitch? Just because it was stuck in his shield? Is that a rule? Is that a rule of war? I mean, if like, my sword gets stuck in your shield, then it's like shield wielders keepers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really know. There's references to the sword uh, in Middle Welsh. Um, they call it Angao Koch or uh -huh. Angao Glass, uh, basically red and gray death, respectively. Yeah. So yellow death, red death, gray death. 
So Andre Kaiser really just wanted to be a painter. Um, or he was super into Pokemon. Or he was super into Pokemon. So maybe he was like, uh, you know, born to be a marketer mm-hmm. or a marketing major. Yeah. Um, or maybe... I see. I thought yellow version was probably the most pure version. Because right, right. red, red and blue just kind of seem like variants of yellow. You know what I mean? Well, it's just <laughs> like, you know, so we have these three pokemans because then they came out with green right for bulbasaur mm-hmm. and so it's like that one everyone knew that one was kind of rejected though yeah i yeah. mean i always loved bulbasaur but i knew where we stood yeah yeah he was kind of the weakest i mean he was into whipping yeah like if you give me a flamethrower or a water cannon or a or a whip made of grass yeah like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, it's flamethrower, thunder mouse, yeah, like. a lightning mouse, um, or uh, or yeah, eventually a fucking turtle with water rockets. Yeah, and then even at Venusaur's most powerful, he's still just whipping you with vines. Well, he does have this one attack that like the hyper beam or whatever. Not the hyper beam, but he basically the the pores that he releases are meant to calm you down. No, oh. basically they get you high. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool to have around as a buddy. <laughs> exactly. But I, in exactly. combat, that's pretty useless. So the last uh, sword that I have, and I uh, like the implications of, of you know everything it stands for, is the Sword of Damocles. Okay. So for if, if those not familiar, um, it was essentially a huge sword that hung was was hanged or hung above the throne where Damocles sat on the throne, uh, and it was held at the pummel only by a single hair of a horse's tail. Uh, and basically, how the whole thing came about: Damocles, a peasant-ish kind of individual, though he wasn't exactly a peasant, but anyways, he was pandering to Dionysus, the king. Uh-huh. Uh, and saying, you know, kissing his ass, saying that, you know, you're fortunate to be a great man of power and authority. You're surrounded by lavish magnificence and you have everything that you want. So Dionysus was like, yeah, fuck it. You want to switch places, bro? You know, just for a day so you could taste what all this uh, ass kissing really does to one's Like on a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Damocles was like, fuck yeah, bro. Wine and grapes give it up so he sat down on the king's throne uh and was surrounded by luxury Mm -hmm. except that then Dionysus put that sword above his head um and Damocles was like what the fuck is this and he was like that's what it's like you're surrounded by luxury but above your head hangs a big heavy sword from for every enemy that you kill and so Damocles was like okay Tradesies, take backs. Eh, um, I feel like that's true if you're like one of the like royal guard. Yeah, well, <laughs> if so, you're the king, really, a lot has to go wrong before that sword falls on your head. It's it just, less of a horse hair and more of like a reinforced steel beam that you technically yeah, so it can be broken, but it's not. Right. So the overall this king lesson, seemed like a drama queen. Yeah. Yeah, he he would probably make a good uh, good episode on uh, Blunt Force drama. Yeah. So, what the king was trying to convey was that uh, yes, you know, you amass luxury and you know you have 
servants, but that, you know, it, it's that whole heavy is the head uh, that wears the crown yeah. type of deal. So that as a king, you have all these uh, decisions that you, that you have to make, considerations that you have to take into account before you make any decision. And so that to an outsider, it may look like, you know, like an awesome job. Mm-hmm. But that there are there are definite drawbacks. Yeah, and it fucking sucks being king. Yeah. Dude. So what I what man, I it's say, so hard, dude. Everyone's so like mean to you and shit. They're all just like, you got all this money and like, yeah. Ugh, so that's, dude, that's give what me I some say. of it. To me, it's like no, man. I'm me, trying to eat grapes like, and be fed them by slaves. To to me, my life sucks. To me, <laughs> to me, it feels like that quintessential uh, divine right to rule. Uh, defending tactic yeah like like yes i am king but you know look at all the tough shit that i have to endure you see the same shit in corporate life today it's like it's like the standard issue fucking excuse for rich people justifying their own existence like we've seen it at our old job let's not name names but there was someone at our old job who (laughs) would come into the office she was everyone's boss Everyone knows she's making a lot more than us, a lot more than us. And she would come in and just constantly bitch about how difficult her life was because she had to pay her oh, horse's oh, stop, doctor. Stop, you're getting too specific. She, <laughs> she's never going to hear this. Yeah, and I'm not using names. And she, she'd have to, she was bitching about her horse's doctor bills and her fucking BMW uh motorcycle her yeah, husband's to- bmw motorcycle that he didn't drive enough so it fucking d- didn't work just drive it if you want it and if you don't want it don't drive it and like the total cost of that could pay like three people's rents yeah yeah and she would just uh, come in and loudly bitch to all of us people who are literally i mean some of the staff was like we were struggling to pay the bills and shit and she's like oh my horse's doctor is is charging a lot this month, man. It's really going to cut into my other horses, other doctors' bills. Um, fucking, fucking. But, but yeah, so so a part of me enjoyed that. Uh, there there were references that far back to the absurdity of the insanely there. wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really wanted to include it. Real and, quick, how do you pronounce this last name? <laughs> Mikuchki. <laughs> it's it's Mikuchki. <laughs> Mikuchki. <laughs> it's even better than I thought. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was either Mikuchi or Makuki. Mikuchki is even better. I was pretty close though. Yeah, you were. Uh, I credit you for that. Well, I assuming that. that he is from like that part of the world, because well, I mean, could like, be Mikuchki. He's just a white guy. It it's it, initially. His name should be pronounced Mikuchki, and that is the happiest thing I've heard all day. Yeah. His friend's last name is Pepperoni. Anyway. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we're, 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 this episode's running kind of long, so I do appreciate all we can of... We can break this up into two, I'm, I'm thinking, as well. We can do a part one and part two. I mean, I don't really have enough for part two. No, no, I'm, just, I'm saying... The one what we currently have could be divided in two and still be two full episodes probably. Oh, we could yeah, do one yeah. on the biblical stuff and one on the rest. Yeah, just stop it at, at uh, fucking Muhammad. Yeah, that because that was at about an hour in, I think. What are we at around? Two oh one. Shit. So do you want, do you want to get into armors? Sure. 
I didn't I didn't have any um, I didn't find anything on armors. I didn't really look. I was mostly focusing on weapons. So uh, let's let's just not then, because I mean, all I have is just kind of like armors that were being used. So I don't uh, I, like I would have to read. So I'd probably just get you know. Okay. But this this right here, yeah, we can. Uh, do you want to close out the episode? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I think that kind of covers the uh, the magical world of legendary weapons IRL. Yeah, the absurdities of the rich and famous who write history with their uh, with the blood of their enemies mm-hmm. uh, and thrown about Garrett. via the weapons that they have someone else build. Yep, they they hire someone to make just garish, unusable testaments to their uh, to their power because they know they're never going to have to actually use these items in combat. They're only going to be use them, using them for ceremonial and executions. We, and we didn't even get into the two swords that were, uh, they weren't meant for combat. They were like super heavy and one had a hook. They were meant to break armor and pry it open. Oh, Jesus. Dude, like just completely brutal. That's just, pretty cool though. That's at least utilitarian. Yeah. Like the whole point of the weapon was just to beat down plate armor. Damn. Like you just go at the knees and it's over. Yeah, that's fucking right. Because, like, worst case scenario would cave in the plate right around your knees. Like, you ain't getting out. Yeah. Shit. All right. Well, I think we're going to call it an episode. And in honor of the uh, Peter, Hjelbjorn, and John <laughs> joke I made, <laughs> we're going to close it out with this glorious song. I dig it. We don't use too much of it. <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Subscribe to our podcast. Twitter. Uh, uh, Instagram. Instagram. Uh, Maybe one of our fans will make a face for If I told you things I did before, before told you how I used to be, would you so go along with someone like me? If you knew my story. Say again.